You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word, we focus on him and his awesome attributes, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, studying with you through the Gospel of John. We're about 26 days in now, and we are closing out John chapter 10 today, and uh, we are moving along. Thank you for joining with me and studying with me here. Before we get started, I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app. We've got a free digital Bible. Uh, that's not it. We've got also a lot of great resources on that app. So check it out. Go to soh.church or go to your Apple Store or your Google Play Store. You can get it there as well. And uh, if you want to check us out anytime, soh.church, once again, if you're listening to this Anywhere where you get podcasts, give a like, give a share, give a subscribe, click off the notifications so you don't miss anything, and uh, pass it along. So we are seeing growth each and every day uh, with new visitors. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome. I hope you enjoyed this study as we close out John 10. And uh, consider going to the beginning and running through because uh, we've had some uh, great study sessions so far. Okay. It's been a chapter where we have seen Jesus jump in with a parable, and this is a continuation of what we've seen over the last few chapters. Uh, Jesus is having altercations with the religious leaders. Uh, they are not happy with what he's doing. He's healing on the Sabbath. They don't like that. Uh, he is saying things that are making them mad. Uh, they are alleging that he is comparing himself to God, which is rightfully so. That is a charge uh, that is well-deserved, and uh, we stand by as well. And here we are after he jumps into the parable of the Good Shepherd, where he compares the Pharisees to thieves and robbers. He compares those that are trying to pull uh, Christians back into, pull his followers back into the old covenant to try to discredit what he is preaching and teaching. And he compares them again to thieves and robbers. Now, well, John 10, where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, is often attributed to the devil. And I know I said yesterday that uh, it was more in context about the Pharisees, and that is true. And I've had a couple people reach out to me on that because that was contrary to what they had learned. Uh, there's a lot of teachings that that is the devil, Satan himself. And I want to make something perfectly clear. When I we talk about Satan, we're talking about an adversary to your future. We're talking about an enemy to your future. Talking about a falsehood, and in that sense, the this is a you could say that that what the Pharisees were doing were, was absolutely satanic. Okay, um, whether or not we're talking about the entity of Satan being described here, I just don't see that we can put that in the proper context there. If you remember, Jesus said that they were like their father, the devil, right? That word devil is diabolos, which means accuser. So 
Jesus has already made a clear distinction that he comes from the father in heaven and they act like their father, quote unquote, the devil. So again, I think we're splitting hairs a little bit here. I think where we get in trouble with John 10 is where we make it all about an entity in hell, so to speak, and ignore the fact that, that the disciples and Jesus and the future apostles there and everybody else around is dealing with a broken human condition, which are the, which are the religious leaders that are really trying to pull away and trying to keep people in a works-based covenant with God when Jesus is trying to show them that God wants to operate in a covenant of grace and truth where we don't have to earn God's love through temple sacrifice and temple worship. So we're going to jump right now into John 10, starting with verse, so we'll start with verse 19, because uh, basically Jesus throughout the, the last uh, chapter, uh, or the last part of the chapter, is basically saying the father loves me that I, because I lay down my life. I lay it down. I take it up. I have the authority. He's asserting his authority authority. And the Jews who heard this verse 19 were again divided. Many of them said he's demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not sayings of a possessed man, man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So they're looking at the things that he does, like the healings, like the signs, like the wonders. And they're, some of them are starting to say, hey, listen, God may be at work here. And if you remember back in chapter 3, Nicodemus sits down with Jesus and he says, you know, Rabbi, we know that you're of God. If you were not of God, you couldn't do the things that you do. So we know that there is a divide in the uh, religious system there. Some people are really starting to lean in toward Jesus being the Messiah. And then some people obviously are opposed to that. So let's continue with our study here with verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication. A lot of festivals at Jerusalem. Festival of dedication, by the way, is Hanukkah. That is what we know as Hanukkah. It was uh, winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. Solomon's colonnade was on the east side of the temple. And it uh, obviously was named after Solomon, also known as Solomon's porch, Solomon's uh, portico. And Josephus, the historian, writes about this uh, and says that it was uh, beautiful overlooking a valley and it was uh, of white stone. And uh, it was destroyed in 70 AD with the remainder of the temple. So we can only imagine, but because it was named after Solomon, the wisest, uh, richest man that ever lived, but also the designer of the first temple, I'm sure it was beautiful. And the Jews, verse 24, who gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me. You don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. 
I and the Father are one. So that last statement blows it wide open. But I want to just touch on here for a second the fact that he says in verse 25, I did tell you, but you did do not believe the works that I do in my father's name testify about me. Now, I want to just say something here about works. You cannot get saved by your works. And by saved, what do I mean? I mean, restored by God, You know, being saved, salvation, meaning rescued from demise, rescued from destruction. And the wages of our sin is death. But through Jesus, we have forgiveness of all of our sins. We have full salvation. And that's not a denominational thing. That, that's anyone who believes in Christ. And so when I say that is your good works are not going to save you. Now, I talk to people all the time. And, and if we're talking about you know God, I always like to ask them, especially those that come out of kind of the big uh, orthodox denominations. I say, well, how do you think it is that we get to heaven? And a lot of times they answer, well, if you know, good people go to heaven, bad people go to, you know, somewhere else. And I ask them, I say, well, how good is good enough? And that's a tough question to ask, answer. Because that would denote that God has some sort of bean counter up there. And, you know, you were good until you stole that cupcake at 12 and that put you over the edge. That's just not the way it, it works. We can't earn God's love. It's Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember it said, "He and all who believed in him, he gave the ability to be called the children of God. It's about belief. Romans 10 talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. It's all about belief in Jesus and what he did. So when he, he says, my works testify for me, I just, I, I, I question, uh, I challenge all of us rather, do our works testify to the belief that is in our heart? See, faith without works is dead. So our works should mirror the faith that is inside of us. So, all right, let's keep this moving here. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, no one will snatch them out of my father's hand. So if you feel like you could uh, lose your salvation, I want to point to this scripture, or these, this, this set of scriptures here. And I will say, you cannot lose it because Jesus will not lose you, okay? He says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And that no one includes you. Nothing you can do can snatch yourself out of the hands of God once you have chosen to follow him, once you are saved, amen? You have any questions on that? Reach out to me at soh.church. I'd love to talk to you about that. Let's go to verse 31. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones. And why do they pick up stones? I don't want to fly over this. He says, I and the Father are one. So he basically, they've been saying all along, you make yourself equal to God. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Inflammatory to these guys. Okay. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Which of these do you uh, stone me for, basically? 
And he said, they say in verse 33, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word came of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Now, this scripture here, what what is he talking about? In Psalm 82, it says, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. The, the judges of the people at that time would judge according to the, the wisdom of God. And Psalms is talking about them and calls those judges gods, lowercase g. So Jesus is pointing out your own scriptures that you always turn to call those people who receive the word of God, gods, lowercase g, not big g. So you're going to stone me when I am sent directly from God? So again, Jesus asserting himself, but that's, I wanted to clear that up because a lot of, there's some people that will point to that scripture and you say, see, point to Psalm 82 and say, see, talking about multiple gods. This is not a polytheism deal, okay? That was a term used for judges in the Old Covenant. All right, let's close out this chapter because we're going right up on our 1% now. So he puts them in their place right there and says, and he continues verse 37. He says, do, do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, John never performed a sign. All that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many people believed. And that's my cold challenge, whatever you want to put it to all of us today, is that when we go into our workplace, when we go to see our children, when we go to the grocery store today, that we go with the mindset that that the power of God comes with us. And wherever we go, the kingdom of God will manifest itself. Now, you may lay hands on somebody in the grocery store that's sick. I go Go for it. But it may be something like a kind word, a forgiving word, a courtesy extended to people. Listen, we can show the love of God everywhere that we go, right? Jesus prayed, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. So you have the opportunity when you go out today to be that heaven. You may be the only Jesus that people meet today. So that's what I want to encourage you because John the, the Baptist prophesied about Jesus. And then Jesus just didn't walk around saying, I'm the guy John prophesied about. He showed everybody that he was who he was. So go into the world today and show them who you are. You're a child of God. Say that. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I will show everyone that I meet today 
the love of God to the best of my ability. You may not do, do it perfectly, but God's not looking for perfect. He's looking for willing. So just be willing today and watch him work through you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we go out into our day, we pray for your guidance so that everywhere that we go, when people see us, they see you. When people look at us, they see your light. Help us to be the light of this world. Help us to be a city on the hill that can't be hidden, Lord God. And let us bless those who come in contact with us today. In Jesus' mighty name. Love you guys. My name is Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You're listening to The 1% Christian. And we're going to start John chapter 11 tomorrow. Invite somebody to the stream.